reform the JSDF, the Japan Self-Defense Force, so it can conduct joint operations, which means the air, sea, and ground forces can operate together. Right. Your fingers, you know, they, you know, if you pick up a ball, each of your fingers does something different, but you need them all to pick mm -hmm. up the ball and throw it. If you don't have that, you're really not very effective. And the JSDF is not even the sum of its parts because of that lack of joint capability. Um, additionally, uh, I would, if I was in the, J the Japanese government or prime minister, I would do everything I could to give some respect to the JSDF. Welcome back. You're listening to The Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. Here at Japan Forward, we bring to our audience issues that are of real importance in and about Japan from the perspective and context of people inside of Japan, as expressed or captured by them who truly understand the nuances of culture, issues, and current events. In today's session, we're joined by Grant Newsham, former U.S. diplomat and Marine officer, who shares an instructive conversation about the Chinese mindset on Japan and threats to peace in the region as we discuss his recent piece, Hiding Tensions in the Taiwan Strait, China Can't Get Japan Out of Its Mind. Let's listen in. Thank you to our listeners and followers for joining us again for our weekly Twitter space. Every week we're seeing more people join us for this live conversation and appreciate it very much. Before we get started, let us introduce ourselves. For anybody unfamiliar with with Japan Forward, we started in 2017 with the goal to reach global audiences, sharing stories, opinions, and editorial content from Japan. Our mission, shared by our supporters and followers, is to raise awareness of the Japanese spirit, culture, and tradition. Okay, and now let's introduce some of our staff who are also in the Twitter space before we introduce our guest. So maybe firstly, Naito-san. Hi. Hi, listeners, and uh, well, hi, Grant. Uh, thanks for joining. And uh, my name is Yasuo. I'm uh, editor-in-chief of Japan Forward. Uh, I'm actually the, the uh, I used to be the correspondent for the Sankei Shimbun. Well, I, I work for Sankei Shimbun now, uh, but I was uh, at the various countries in Russia and the UK and uh, other uh, Asian countries as the Sankei Shimbun's correspondent. Uh, but now I'm doing, you know, the new uh, media outlet, this Japan Forward, very exciting project. And uh, I'm really happy to, uh, well, uh, talk to Grant, uh, with whom I met uh, three years ago, I think, when we just started this uh, Japan Forward project. Well, thanks for joining Grant and uh, uh, thanks listeners uh, uh, for joining this program. Thank you. Okay, and then there's me. My name is Galileo, and I'll be the host slash moderator for today. I've been working with in Japan Forward since about 20, 2017, 2016, um, since I guess shortly after it started, and helping Naito-san um, try to get Japan Forward and to grow and to become the number one Japanese-led English media site in Japan. And Yay. We're, I think we're almost there. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I'm into, let's see, I'm into a lot of tech things. So recently I'm interested in, um, like AI generated images, um, and AI technology. So that's something I'm interested in, but living in Japan, I'm also very concerned with, um, like I guess inter, intercultural international um, relations, particularly within the region, in in the Asia region. Um, so um, that's why I think this call, this talk with Grant is very, it's going to be very interesting for me and I hope it's going to be very interesting for our listeners. Okay, so our guest who I'm, I'm honoured to to introduce to everyone is Mr. Grant Inchim who is a retired United States Marine officer and a former U.S. diplomat with many years' experience in Japan. He is a senior fellow with, the both, with both the Center for Security Policy and the Yorktown Institute in the United States and a senior fellow at the Japan Forum for Strategic Studies in Japan. He was the first U.S. Marine li liaison 
officer to the Japan Ground Self-Defense Force and was instrumental in promoting the JSDF's initial moves towards an amphibious capability. Grants published with Japan Forward for nearly since we first started um, and he's published over 37 pieces with Japan Forward and that's um, a lot. <laughs> I would say that's a lot. And it's concerning a lot of defense um, and security um, related topics and themes. Um, so Grant, welcome to the show. Well, we're glad to be here. And thanks very much for the opportunity. So we're finally happy that we were able to get Twitter Spaces running. Um, we did a test yesterday. Um, but like you'd like to hear maybe quickly from Nidasan before we get into some questions on how did how did you two meet and how what was the what was led what were some of the events that led to Grant and um, Japan Ford working together? Nidasan? Oh. Yeah. Or shall I? <laughs> yes, please. Well, uh, well, okay. Well, I thought that uh, the grant will explain <laughs> how, how oh, we well, met. Well, okay, well, I'll be glad to. Okay, um, sure, uh, Grant. <laughs> well, it's uh, if I, you know, explain, uh, I'd be kind of biased a, a bit. So, uh, but, uh, well, the things that uh, happened was that, uh, well, I was uh, really wanted to, uh, well, somebody, uh, from the U.S., uh, the very good writer, uh, especially uh, regarding the security issues, who knows uh, really about Japan in deep and, you know, can write uh, the good articles. And, uh, well, I thought that the grant uh, is the, the one of the best. Uh, so I approached him. And uh, when I went to Hawaii for uh, the other occasions, uh, well, uh, I talked to Grant uh, on the hotel beach hotel i think you know uh at the hotel beach hotel in the cafe that uh what we're trying to do and this is a completely new version of the uh the media it's not only the sanke shimpun it's uh about the japan uh and uh i asked you know grant uh to write up and he was first i think uh you're kind of bit uh uh skeptical maybe i don't know uh uh but he said that, you know, the grant said that, you know, uh, he's happy to. And uh, we have a little time to uh, uh, not active kind of moment, but uh, because of the, our financial situations, you know, the, the, any the startup uh, has always has a kind of, you know, financial problems. And uh, when we had at that time, you know, uh, uh, but the grant has continuously uh, uh, contributed to, uh, to us. Well, thank you, Grant. I I think it is uh, there should be your version of you know the Japan Forward. Uh, yeah. What do you think well, about I, Japan Forward? <laughs> no, I it, I wasn't skeptical. But, uh, I know the Sankei, and um, actually, I, a fellow named Jim Auer, who was a, a retired Navy officer and a professor at Vanderbilt University, he had asked me if I would meet, and uh, so if he recommended it, there was of course I was going to write for. Japan forward. So it's, I've always enjoyed it. It's um, sort of, it's a good outlet. Uh, so I'm always glad to contribute uh, to it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And we're very happy. So maybe yeah, we can go into the first series of questions and related to the recent piece that was published earlier today about three hours ago it's titled it's 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 titled heightening tensions in the taiwan strait china can't get japan out of its mind um so i think yeah when we were talking yesterday we we briefly uh, mentioned that japan is increasing their spending on defense there was a big announcement to this um first off what's your what's your initial reaction to when the announcement was made um it's uh, well first about time uh, Japan has plenty of money. Uh, it's always claimed it doesn't, but it does. Uh, so I say it's about time. But at the same time, uh, you know, you'll want to know what are you going to spend it on. What are they going to buy? What are they going to do with it? Right. They could quadruple the amount, and I would imagine defense hardware companies would quadruple their prices. Uh, so that's what you want to hear: is what exactly do you? Uh, what does Japan intend to do? to use the money to build up its defenses the way they need to be built up. Mm. 
So do you think that this announcement was mainly for like signaling purposes to get some sort of reaction from neighboring nations or even from the the nation of Japan? Oh no, I think it's actually it's a sincere effort uh, to remedy really what has been 60, 70 years of underspending on defense, um, mm. counter Americans to take care of things. Uh, realistically, Japan's defense budget should uh, at least be twice what it is, and that's been the case for a long time. Okay, uh, so yes. I, it is a sincere effort. I don't think it's. I think it's done uh, one partly because it's necessary, but it's the Chinese who have put the fear of God uh, mm -hmm. into the Kishida administration, right? And previous administrations too. So you said that it was about time. So I think that would make me like want to know is that was this because of recent world events with Russia's invasion in like strategic locations in Ukraine and with China making some bold um, aggressions towards Taiwan? Is, is this, was this actually the right, you know, was it the right time or what's your assessment of that? I think those have helped. I think um, Putin invading Ukraine and just Xi Jinping and the Chinese and his predecessors um, being out for blood. Uh, these are things that have gotten uh, Japanese attention, and they've even gotten attention in Nagatacho. I think most Japanese citizens have recognized the risks from a long time ago. But Nagatacho, the political class, seems to lag in their understanding. But there was a clear, I think the Japanese, uh, enough of them, uh, in that ruling class, they understood what the risks were and what was needed done. You'll note that Mr. Abe you know, was able to get uh, the defense budget increased every year he was in office, and it continued to increase after he stepped down. But the increases were really just tiny. Um, they were uh, just illusory. Uh, and the increases followed a decade of Japan cutting its defense budget uh, every year um, before Abe took over. And that's not often recognized. So the Japanese government knew that it, some of it knew that it needed to really increase defense spending and that the increases to date had not been enough. But now this recent just Chinese threatening of Taiwan and of Japan uh, but and also uh, Putin's invasion of Ukraine, this has really woken woken up the Japanese government. Uh, and the, the, the citizens seem to be on board and they mm -hmm. understand it. Uh, so it, they say the, the need was obvious at least a decade ago. There were people who understood it. They couldn't get enough money uh, allocated to defense. But now that seems to, that, that uh, obstacle uh, is gone. And I think the government is sincere about uh, wanting to drastically increase defense spending. Mm. Um, in your article, it was meant like it was lightly touched upon, but maybe we didn't get a more, um, yeah, more in-depth response. Was that when Japan announced this budget spend, and I think it's coming up into your analysis in in your next piece. Um, does that create some tension between um, the region and in the, the Taiwan Straits? That Japan is, you know, moving away from its passive stance and is now going into more aggressive state. What do you think about that? Well, that's what Beijing. That's what the Chinese communists always argue. Uh, if Japan does anything, even the most commonsensical things, to defend its country, that the Chinese claim it's uh, Japan is looking to reinvade the rest of Asia, that Japan is a threat, uh, and it's predictable. Uh, it's what the Chinese say. It's not true. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, the Japanese could they could agree to surrender tomorrow, and the Chinese still complain about it. Uh, so these are saying this. Uh, it's political warfare, psychological warfare, uh, to try and get people to be afraid of Japan and to ignore what China is doing and what China intends to do. Mm. Uh, but 
think too many people really listen to what the, the Chinese are saying. Uh, and go throughout Asia, and, uh, I don't think there's anybody who's worried about uh, Japan going on the offensive and attacking anybody. Um, partly, they don't have the capability nor the intention. Mm. Uh, but it's really Chinese propaganda, and it's predictable. Uh, but it, uh, you know, really, it's just the latest excuse. Uh, mm -hmm. The demonized as the Japanese. Okay. Um, wanted to know your opinion on what a Japan and Taiwan's like strong collaboration um, would entail if they were to oppose China. Oh boy! The uh, first of all, Japan has to actually do something with Taiwan. Uh, the Japanese have basically no security or defense uh, relationship with Taiwan. Uh, they've got an economic relationship, which is good, uh, but the the Japanese say they have they use the expression, and you'll hear it a lot, that Taiwan's defense is Japan's defense, which means that if Taiwan is threatened, Japan is threatened as well, and that's obvious if you just look at a map, uh, because if Taiwan comes under Chinese control, uh, then the Japanese uh, defenses down in the Nansei Shoto. Uh, they are outf outflanked, and Japan is in the position that it could be surrounded uh, for the first time since 1945. So that's how important uh, Taiwan is uh, to the Japanese. But hey, the Japanese government uh, has almost no defense or security connection with Taiwan, and mm -hmm. that needs to change. Um, the Americans do a bit better, but the Americans have some very strict limitations on mm. what they will do with Taiwan. Uh, I sometimes think that the Japanese are waiting for the Americans to make the first move. Mm. What could Japan do? Well, they are uh, sending military officers as liaison officers, as attaches to Taiwan. Mm. Uh, they could... Um, do some uh, training with Taiwanese forces, maybe on humanitarian assistance, disaster relief. Mm. Uh, but you say they've got, the Japanese themselves have got to take the initiative and strike up a relationship with Taiwan on the, in the security uh, realm. Uh, but they, but it's because all you hear is uh, just how important Taiwan is and how much Japan supports and values Taiwan. Mm. But then when down to it, the Japanese still will not uh, have any real defense relationship uh, with Taiwan, and, and they need to do it. The Americans need to do a lot more, too. Uh, but I would like to see the Japanese uh, take the initiative and not wait for the Americans to go first. You mentioned, yes, yeah, so it's great that you mentioned that um, there's some sort of reliance with, um, with, with America. For, for the Japanese. Um, and as you're aware, there's bases located, like American bases located in Japan. Um, do you think these are strategic um, pieces for, for Japan when it comes to maybe the aggressions with tai Taiwan and China? Is, there, is that in the cards for Japan to, to rely on the, these Americans? Or do you think that America is in no position to to interfere? Oh, no. America, these bases are strategic bases. They're essential for American operations in the region, oh. uh, but also in the event of a, a conflict involving Taiwan. Uh, but J Japan has a lot more bases in Japan than the Americans do. Yep. And these are just as useful, just as important. Uh, so they, they, one really can't under, overstate uh, just how important the American bases are uh, and the Americans need to be able to operate from these bases. Uh, and Japan, what the Japanese government really needs to do is to get things organized now. Mm. Not, not once something has happened, but to understand that uh, if a fight starts, that the Americans are going to be involved and the Japanese are going to be involved. I don't think the Japanese government has quite made that sort of a mental adjustment right. to realize that they will be in a, in a war. But one of the problems, of course, of, I would say for the Americans is that they have 
too many bases right. concentrated in Japan. Mm. Uh, they need more bases, more facilities around the entire region uh, if they're going to operate more effectively. Um, obviously, when you just have a few bases in one country or one location, uh, that's a pretty attractive target. Uh, but it, but if you do get these things, if you get things right now before the shooting is started, mm. it actually has the potential to prevent a war. Okay, that's sort of a paradox. So, if I'm hearing this correctly, you think that there's more room for improvement in terms of Japanese troops and U.S. troops to be aligned together in their objectives for the region. Oh, definitely. Even for Japan. Yeah. Uh, the, it's amazing. The U.S.-Japan Security Alliance has been around over 60 years, and there is still not a joint headquarters in Japan or anywhere right. else right, right. where the Americans and the Japanese forces coordinate. They do the necessary joint opera, uh, operational planning uh, to defend Japan. The idea seems to be that if something happens, we'll wing it or we'll figure it out. Uh, like happened after the nine uh, the three eleven tsunami earthquake, uh, there was the Americans and the Japanese basically had no idea what to do with each other. The exception was the U.S. Navy and the Kaijo Jietai, the Japan Maritime Self Defense Force. They have had a good solid relationship, uh, and they are able to operate together. But the rest of the U.S. forces and the Japanese forces uh, really have, at best, a minimal capability for that. And the, the fact there is no joint headquarters in uh, Japan tells you everything. Um, and that really, after 60 plus years, is uh, unforgivable, um, considering how dangerous the region has become. And it was obvious at least 15 years ago that we were headed for trouble. Mm. And nobody did anything about it, not right, on right. the American side or the Japanese side. Mm. So maybe... With your years of experience in the region and involved with the different um, groups and organizations, um, what would you say would be your priorities for the JDSF um, when it comes to yeah when it comes to these um, aggressions by China in the region? Well, the first thing I would do is I. Uh, reform the JSDF, the Japan Self-Defense Force, so it can conduct joint operations, which means the air, sea, and ground forces can operate together. Right. You know, your fingers, you know, they, you know, if you pick up a ball, each of your fingers does something different, but you need them all to pick mm -hmm. up the ball and throw it. If you don't have that, you're really not very effective. And the JSDF is not even the sum of its parts because of that lack of joint capability. Um, additionally, uh, I would, if I was in the, J the Japanese government or prime minister, I would do everything I could to give some respect to the JSDF. Um, it's just amazing how poorly treated they are. Mm. Uh, their, their salaries, their living conditions, uh, the benefits you don't get from joining the, the military in Japan, mm. uh, these are embarrassing. And they wonder why enough people don't join. Well, why would they join? It's just amazing anyone does. Right. Uh, real patriots who do join the service. So look at the person, fix the personnel end, be able to do joint joint operations, and be able to do combined operations with the Americans. Mm. If you do all do those things, that you've got a much better chance of uh, avoiding a war, and if you have to fight one, winning one. Right. Uh, SDF has done, you know, it's amazing to say just how uh, professional they are, uh, given the, the limitations and really the, the obstacles they've faced for so many years. Mm. But they're also, it's good now that we're seeing the JSDF get out and about and operate in the region. It operates with a lot of other countries now, mm. uh, operated with the Australians, the New Zealanders, the, nice. the British in, in by. And this is all a good thing. It's a good trend. Uh, but the JSDF itself needs a lot more money, a lot more capability, and it needs to be able to say to, to actually fight a war. Mm. Uh, that's what I would um, would like to see happen. You'll notice I haven't mentioned hardware. 
Right. Uh, that comes after you have the, the capabilities and the, the manpower uh, part fixed. Uh, whereas there's a tendency on the Japanese side and, and our side too sometimes um, to think that if you just buy magic weapons, you know, these high tech, <laughs> right. all your often that's not the case at all. Mm. Um, you know, Saddam Hussein in Iraq had the best weapons you could buy, uh, and he lasted about three weeks. Uh, so it's the hardware comes after some other more fundamental that uh, are needed, in my opinion. Yeah, so you mentioned um, some nice bilateral relations with Japan, um, with joint operations. I think they, you know, they nicknamed the Quad. Um, and your yeah, assessment of that was Japan needs more focused um, practice and training with the U.S. troops. But you also pointed out that um, in terms of like finances or what is this incentives that there's more there's, there's a need for improvement so people can consider joining the the Japanese military um so those so that leads me to the question of what we were talking about yesterday um and I guess lots of people are also thinking about it when they announced that there's going to be an increase in budget spending for the defense. Um, I wanted to ask you, Grant, well, if you were to, you know, play like the budget, you know, the the, the finance operator in this in this sense, what what are you, where where should Japan be um, investing in? Well, so first, uh, so I would get the personnel end right. You cannot miss your recruitment targets every year by twenty percent. Uh, and have a, an effective military. Okay, just quickly on that point. Yeah, just quickly on that point. Um, this is very. I think this is a very important point that Japan is not recruiting enough people. Do you, Do you have any numbers on that that you can share to our listeners? Well, the the rough figures that I all have always heard is about twenty percent a year they miss. Yeah. And look at consider that over a number of years, what you end up with is with is a military that's too small mm. uh, for it has and it's also an older military uh war fighting and just military operations are a young person's business right uh, so this is and it's not because there's not enough young japanese around it's because as i think the uh, military service in japan has not been a respected profession mm. and there, i think there potentially is lots of public support for it but governments have not uh, spoken up on behalf of the JSDF, um, the, some of the media, and I think you know which ones I'm talking about, right, uh, have yeah. been basically anti-military. Uh, and these are people who have promised, the, the service men and women are people who have, the GAKAN, are people who've promised to die on Japan's behalf, mm. and they treated just abysmally. So I would start with the personnel end. Uh, and then, as I said, I would fix the capabilities so that the Rikkaiku, the, the air, sea, and ground forces can, can actually operate together. And you'll notice that that doesn't cost much. It takes what you have and being a, and oper, using it uh, in the right way. And similarly, uh, being able to link up with the Americans, that too doesn't require much money. Uh, and if you want to see how that should work, um, I'd like to have a prime minister go down to Yokosuka and um, Funakoshi, and look at how the Japanese Navy and the Japanese and the U.S. Navy operate. Now that shows you what can be done. Uh, so I haven't even what I've mentioned now. The only money it costs is is personnel costs. And you know, if you if you value people, you will pay for them, just like mm -hmm. anything. And mm -hmm. if you don't value them, you're 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 gonna get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to write a check. It's obvious that you're just saying nice words. Uh, and then, but you, the sorts of um, hardware that is needed, of course, long range weaponry, uh, missiles, there's outer space resources, uh, the ISR, the surveillance and, infra and intelligence um, gathering material. Uh, these are all things that you have to have, and it's important to have it. Uh, but you also want to know what you need. And it looks to me like Japan too often buys hardware. Uh, without really 
knowing what it needs, how it's going to use it, uh, but rather buying it because somebody at Okurajo, of all places, thinks that they ought to have uh, certain hardware. And what I would do is I would get some, uh, I would bring over some American war planners, the, mm. these young heroes who actually put together war fighting plans and the schemes that you use to uh, to operate and also bring in some good, honest experts and have them assess Japan's needs, uh, working with Japanese, um, but also um, have them assess what is required for the Japanese and the Americans to effectively operate together. And then, based on that, start spending money on equipment. As it is now, it looks like, reminds me of, uh, I don't want to be, because it's a little overstatement, but it's like people don't really understand proper war fighting requirements are um, deciding what Japan buy, um, but don't really have a sense of how it all fits in to a coherent defense based on a, a decent threat assessment right. uh, facing um, Japan. I say that's just how it uh, how it looks to me, and you know they could do with a little more clear thinking. Well, Grant, thank, uh, thanks. Uh, uh, this is Yasuo. Well, let's make uh, the Japanese military service attractive, and then you know the young people will go there. Uh, that that's a kind of uh, the our our task to do, and uh, well, I don't know how to do it. That's absolutely uh, right. Actually, the, the <laughs> Japan has uh, with its defense are very similar to the ones Taiwan faces. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. And each country seems un, un, you know, just incapable of figuring out what exactly needs done uh, mm. to fix it. But it's not all that complicated. I mean, if I could figure it out, how hard could it be? Um, or just ask, you know, it, say it's not that complicated. Um, but it's, uh, but you do, I'd say I really would say I'd st start with people. Mm -hmm. yeah, but if you don't get that right, you, know, you can buy the best hardware on earth and uh, it isn't going to get you very far. One example I forgot to mention is, you know, we've talked about satellites and cyber equipment and um, missiles and submarines, etc. cetera. Um, but I would like to see the Japanese Defense Forces buy a radio with which each service could talk to each other. There's these very small things that Japan needs to, to just to be able to do military operations. And it, it instead of talking about spending you know, billions of dollars on what counter-strike capability. And I don't, I think almost nobody who uses that expression understands exactly what, uh, what is required. So, but you know, there's for a little tiny amount of money. So I say you can buy these radios that would allow the three services to operate together. Uh, you have to take advantage, you have to pay attention to the most basic requirements uh, if you're going to be an effective military. And that's my point. Uh, you know, you as I think I, I'm not sure if it, we got cut off, but uh, so you could send the communications officers from the you know re, uh, air, sea, and ground uh, forces to Big Camera, uh, and with a credit card, and they would buy the hardware you need, and they could fix it. Um, but they've not been allowed to do that, and the 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 government, the bureaucracy, are, um, needs to address those fundamental requirements. So when I hear somebody talking about long-range missiles and counter-strike capability, uh, you know, I wish they would first start, uh, say, get the basics right. Mm. And again, that goes to people and some very low-cost hardware and also just capabilities. And if you mm. take what Japan already has uh, and reconfigure it, use it in a different way, uh, that you can get, you know, it, it doesn't cost you much, but you improve your capabilities. And that's what we discovered when we, uh, set about a decade ago, trying to get um, Japan an amphibious force. And a Marine major, a guy named Jeff Bennon, uh, who was in on that his, that um, effort. And what we discovered is Japan had 90% of the equipment that it needed to do amphibious operations. It just didn't have the know-how. Um, mm. And put, it, put the pieces together in the right way to develop the capability. And it cost very little to do that, but they did it and it showed what can be done. 
Okay. Yeah. I think Nathan, you had a comment or a question. Yeah. Well. Uh, well. Thanks, uh, Grant. You know, uh, I completely agree with the the hardware's and of course important, but the human side is more important than that. And you know, it shows that uh, in the war. Uh, the Ukraine's, you know, uh, the fight against the Russia uh, showed that, I think. Of course, the hardware is important, but, you know, uh, if there's no will to defend its own country, uh, you know, they will lose. Uh, and, uh, well, my worry, something is that according to the survey, you know, uh, the survey only, you know, 20% of the young uh, Japanese, Japanese people, people were willing to, to fight, fight against, against the foreign, the foreign invasions. invasions. The, what, what, uh, what? What do you think do you, about this? How how can we you know change this type of situation? This is uh, you know the the very worrisome thing uh, situation I think, Grant. Oh, I I would like to you know, surveys and you can sometimes get whatever results you want, uh, and <laughs> I think I think for a lot of people that it's hard to imagine the the threat of losing a war that possibility. Um, I think if you had asked Ukrainians. Uh, maybe last year, you know, were you willing to fight, you know, for Ukraine? That had probably been a fairly low percentage that would have said yes. But once the reality hit, uh, that figure went way up. Uh, and once again, a government has a role to play here. And if the government is not going to, uh, say, speak up for the JSDF, the, the value of it, if it's not going to fund it, if it's not going to explain why it is necessary, why Japan needs to defend itself, that you know, people are going, not really going to understand how it affects them, why they should be interested. So a government has, to ha has a role here. And that um, is an important piece of the puzzle. Uh, but I think if the, the idea of having to um, live under Han Chinese domination uh, became a little more apparent, I think a lot of young Japanese uh, just might uh, wake up pretty quickly, would be my sense. Um, you, you see that in Taiwan as well, uh, that the there's these surveys that suggest Taiwanese won't fight, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but you know, get down, you know, get down and talk to the Taiwanese, and then give them a a plan, give them a way, show them how they can get involved, how they can defend themselves, and that figure goes way up. The same with the Japanese, uh, I think. But it, it all starts with the government doing its job. Uh, and say so giving the JSDF the the resources and 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 the respect that it that it needs. Uh, we, America had a similar problem in the early 1970s, and after the Vietnam War, it was um, service in the military was considered like your last option. Uh, and it was Ronald Reagan who came along and one brought a lot of money uh, uh, to defense, uh, but he also spoke up for the military and why it was valuable. And people listened to him. And people don't often remember just how bad it was in the early 70s and just how Mr. Reagan turned things around. Uh, so I would, uh, you know, it's, I wouldn't be too uh, depressed over a, a survey like that. That would be my thing. All right, thanks, Grant. I don't know whether the, the Prime Minister Kishida uh, is able to, you know, to wake up, uh, you know, the our... Uh, young people, but uh, we tried to push him to speak out to, you know, for the uh, JSDF, JSDF and, you know, uh, you know, our military services. And uh, we're kind of uh, trying to, you know, uh, to write up our kind of, you know, positive stories about this type of things. And uh, uh, well, thank you. Thank you for your advice and uh, the comments on this issue. Grant, we have just a quick question from one of our listeners, um, Phoenix Fire. So he's going; they're going to go ahead and ask. So, Phoenix Fire, you can un unmute your unmute your mic and ask Grant. All right, thank you, Grant. Can you hear me? Thank you very much for oh, your God. comments. Um, I have a couple questions. One, constitutionally, if something was to happen in Taiwan, could the Japanese Defense Forces currently? Uh, play a role and intervene on the side of Taiwan. The other question I have is, if something was to happen in a more rapid fashion, how long would they be able to uh, get their act together, given the personnel deficit, you said, and the lack of coordination? And the final question I have is, 
obviously in light of what's going on, the government is putting more money behind it. But at the same time, my understanding is that these corporates still want think look at China as a marketplace and you know with the economy turning bad, how supportive are they? Do they play a role in this? Thank you. Oh well well thanks. I appreciate the questions. I'll just take them one by one. Uh the is it constitutional for Japan to get involved in a Taiwan scenario or would the constitution uh, present a problem? Uh, the short answer is no. Uh, the Japanese government, and this is for years, has used Article 9 of the constitution as the equivalent of like a monopoly get out of jail free card uh, for anything it doesn't want to do. When the Americans, you know, if you can you do this? They will almost stick out their tongue and they'll say Kempo, you know, Constitution. Uh, and the Americans just back off and say, oh, yeah, okay. No, the, the Constitution has been interpreted and reinterpreted thousands of times uh, to allow Japan d- to do whatever it needs to do defense wise. Uh, so I, I look at it as a convenient excuse, sort of if you don't want to make your bed, you know, you could tell your mother, you know, no, the Constitution doesn't let me. Um, and so I'm sort of being a little funny about the last one, but I don't see that as an obstacle uh, to my way of thinking. And and the as I say, the Mr. Abe was able to get a the a reinterpretation of the Constitution to allow collective self defense a few years ago, and that shows you know what you can do if you if you want to do something, you can figure out how the Constitution uh, means whatever you want to say. Um, the second question, could the JSDF get its act together in the event, they say there is a, an incident or scenario, uh, the Japanese Maritime Self-Defense Force could uh, take them probably about 10 minutes uh, to do it because they have been um, operating and operating with the Americans uh, with the, the mindset that this is for real, that the idea is to fight a war. Uh, but they are the exception. Uh, the rest of the JSDF, I uh, uh, am not confident. Uh, it's not a lack of will, but they have never been put in a position where they have been given marching orders, which says get ready to fight a war and do all the things that are necessary. You know that includes even just simple things like extra ammunition, the right communications equipment, um, being able to handle uh, medevac uh, uh, casualties. Um, having enough resources in the right places to move it around logistically. Uh, they've never had to do that. And that, once again, it's not the the military's fault. It's the civilian leadership's fault, to my way of thinking, and also some of the leftist newspapers that have uh, sort of savaged anybody who suggested they should. So there is no, uh, unfortunately, the, except for the Navy, I'm afraid the JSDF is, uh, they will... Uh, do their best, but not enough has been done. Uh, there's people who recognize this problem on both sides, and they're trying, uh, but it does need some top-level attention, to my way of thinking. And the third question about Japanese corporations um, having more interest in Japan, and excuse me, in business with China, than in um, Japan's national interest of being an independent nation that is um, not being bullied and dominated by. Uh, the Chinese communists, that is a problem. Uh, and it's a problem that every country faces. And I would suggest the U.S. has it as bad, um, where we have our uh, business class. We have Wall Street, which would probably sell out their mother, you know, for the price was right. Uh, I mean, the little glib, but not by much. Um, but we it's a similar problem that uh, I think and it's probably been an around since the ancient Greek days, that there's always somebody who wants to do business with the country that wants to kill you. And Keidan Ren uh, is, of course, the business lobby, of course, in Japan. Uh, they would like to do business with China, by and large. And they think that uh, anything that uh, upsets their business is not a good thing. And that's where a, a government, the leadership, uh, has to look at national security as the priority. Uh, in my my opinion, and I think a lot of Japanese people would agree with me, but that is a it's an issue that every uh, country has had to deal with, and the U.S. does. And the same thing in the the 1930s, as World War II was brewing up, we had uh, U.S. businesses that were keen to do 
as much business as they could with Nazi Germany uh, and Imperial Japan too. Uh, so these are uh, so hopefully that offers a few ideas to those uh, good questions. Thanks, Phoenix Fire, for your question. Um, okay, any 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 last comments from Naitasan, Susan, before we we close up? Can I ask one more question to you, Grant? If that's okay, sorry. Sure. How, how how important is Okinawa in the Okinawa local politics, given the importance of the base there? But you know, I I've been following real estate transactions there over the last ten years. It's interesting who the foreign buyers have been there as well. Yes, um, yeah, that that's uh, Chinese influence, Chinese uh, subversion, political warfare on Okinawa is longstanding. Uh, I think the U.S. side has done its best to ignore it. Uh, the jets, parts of the Japanese government have a good understanding of it, uh, but that is a say is a part of the equation that that really needs uh, looked at. Uh, we have a similar problem on Guam, uh, for example, and there's other locations as well. Uh, but that say is just part of it. The Okinawa bases are um, they're important, and once again, it's location, location, location. Um, and also, if you know, there's a political aspect to it. If um, the Americans and the Japanese are willing to make the effort to have those bases there, uh, that it shows they're, as I say, willing to take some political heat uh, because they do value, they recognize the importance of them. Uh, one of the part of the the whole Okinawa equation is that uh, another one is that, um, but when Henoko was being built. Um, the replacement for Futenma, that there were um, some Japanese politicians, uh, along with Yamaguchi Gumi, who were um, buying property around uh, Henoko. Uh, and so the, the Chinese uh, subversion is just one piece of the puzzle. But real estate and base transactions generally, uh, they generate money and they attract a sort of part of the political class, organized crime class. Uh, Etc. That seems to be sort of part of the game uh, in Japan. And I would throw out, you know, just for the because it is important um, when you look at Okinawa, they 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 get huge amounts of money. They are handsomely compensated uh, for the sort of the, the presence, the the military presence down there. And in terms of figures, now you figure there's about a million people on Okinawa, and they get about three and a half billion dollars in a special subsidy every year. So just take $3 billion. Um, that is a ton of money. Um, one of the biggest burdens that you would have is trying to figure out how to spend it. Uh, and it, it's actually a lot more if you consider the other advantages they get. But money isn't everything. But it is, a, um, in some respects, a handsome shakedown racket, which uh, the um, parts of the Okinawan government have, uh, have, have nicely um, used against the central government. Uh, so that, you can see I've got a, a certain view of this, um, but it's not to dismiss the, the concerns that Okinawans have. Um, but you'll also find that on Okinawa, there's a range of thought, a range of opinions. It's um, not at all like everybody is anti-military or anti-bases. Um, you know, th that's the case on the main island of Okinawa, but go out to the other islands and you'll find an awful lot of support for the JSDF in particular. Uh, so it's as complex a society as anywhere. So those are just a few observations um, uh, about Okinawa. It is funny how you don't hear so much about that issue these days now that the Chinese really are coming uh, sort of and breathing fire. Um, but that's just how it seems to me. Well, Grant, as for the, you know, the, the money and, you know, Chinese uh, silent invasion in Japan. We're, of course, covering that story. Well, uh, there's so many things we need to talk, but uh, I think the time is up. Uh, right, Galileo? <laughs> well, thanks, Grant, yes. for joining. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Grant. Thank you for your time and speaking with, the, with us today. We appreciate your insight and sharing your wisdom. Um, before we wrap up, um, do you have any announcements or anything you'd, you'd like to share to our listeners? Oh, no, it's just that I appreciate the opportunity to um, uh, sort of vent, you know, to share some ideas. <laughs> no. but, um, you know, I say I'm always grateful that, uh, you know, that I have the opportunity. So I just appreciate that. But I'm, and by and large, you know, I would say that uh, you know, one has to be optimistic about all of this, uh, that I think the Americans and the Japanese and the other free countries 
uh, they have a very strong hand to play if they will play it. Uh, and, and I would note a, a word for Taiwan, which um, hasn't gotten mentioned enough, that um, Taiwan really is key to, I say, the preservation of freedom uh, in the region. And if there was ever a country that, des- uh, yeah, a country that deserved to be uh, supported and protected, and that's, uh, that is Taiwan. And I recommend anyone who wants to see the real China go to Taiwan. I think you'll be. Uh, very impressed with what with what you see there. Okay, Susan, quickly, you had you had something to say. Uh, yes, I just wanted to. Since Grant's not going to make an announcement, I would like to announce that not only does he have a new article up uh, today on Japan Forward, but he will have an analysis of the the main points of the Japanese defense spending that he's talked about today uh, up in the next couple of days, probably on Monday. Uh, so please uh, keep checking back on Japan Forward and look at the link that we post for these articles uh, on Twitter and uh, and in the write-up for this particular Twitter space. Thank you very much, Grant. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So listeners, thank you for joining us today. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel and our spaces will be distributed on Spotify and Apple Music. So make sure you subscribe to that as well. Um, follow Grant on Twitter. Also look out for his articles on Japan Forward. If you search for his name, Grant Newsham, you'll get a list of his archived pieces. And there should be a new piece coming up within a couple of days, as mentioned by um, Susan. So at Japan Forward, we're looking for contributors and writers. Get in contact with us if you want to submit a written piece. Let us know if you have other skills that you think would add value to our vision. So please don't hesitate to get in touch. We will do this again next week. So keep an eye out on Twitter for the announcement. Thank you for listening to the Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. Visit our website for more information regarding our podcasts and other news on Japan. Catch you next time.